You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Well, good morning. My name is Brad Holloman. Um, I'm one of the pastors down at the Los Alamitos branch with Justin, which is where I spend most of my Sundays. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, Basilia, that was awesome, man. You had me dancing in the front aisle. I, I haven't danced in 35 years. And those people that were standing behind me understand why. <laughs> it is great being here this morning, and I thank you so much again for, for joining us in worship. Um, I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 16 this morning. Verses 1 through 16 of Ephesians chapter 4. Just a couple of, uh, of notes here. I don't have any slides, okay? So you're going to have to kind of work with me. We're going to be going through the Bible, changing pages. I'll give you plenty of time to get there. My wife has always told me that when I speak and I don't have slides, I go from verse to verse too quickly. I'm going to slow it down so that hopefully uh, you can keep up and we can go through these various sections of Scripture together. But we are going to be continuing our discussion, as we have been over the course of the last few weeks, about what it means to be family. There's room. There's room for growth. There's room for life in, in God's family. You know, we have talked over the course of the last couple of weeks Ephesians chapter 2, we spoke about how we're alive, we're made alive in Christ. You know, we're dead in our trespasses, we were dead in our trespasses, but through the grace of Jesus Christ, we're made alive. We're brought into this newness of life, and uh, it's not through our own merits, it's nothing that we've done, it's nothing that we've earned, it's simply something that through God's grace, we receive. And then we go on to talk a little bit about how God has dissolved the artificial barriers that we love to create, right? He's talking to the church at Ephesus, and, and I think it was last week that the, the sermon was about how Jews and Gentiles had created these barriers, and how those barriers are torn apart and, and ripped apart through the love of Christ, right? Because within our body, within our church, the church universal, there's no divisions. There are no artificial divisions. Everything is made one, and we're going to discuss that today. Everything is made one under the love of Christ. So he breaks down those barriers. So today, we're going to take that a step further as we look at Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, 16. And we're going to be talking about the walk to maturity. The walk to maturity. Because you and I, you know, if we're strong in our belief and we understand Christ correctly, he does not want us to be in the same place today that we're going to be in 10 years, nor if we have been saved and known Christ for a period of, of time, he doesn't expect us to be in the same place we were years ago. There is an intentional walk that is involved as we move from our present position to more Christ-likeness, to that maturity. So as we begin to look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, I want to put it in a little bit of context. <clears throat> because in chapter 4, verse 1, he opens up and he uses the word, therefore. So that leads you to believe that in the preceding verses, there was something that he is tying all this together with. So I'm going to step back into verse, or chapter 3, 
verses 16 through 19 of Ephesians before we move forward. So in Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, he says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power, his spirit in, in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Then moving down to verse 1 of chapter 4, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. My first point is we have to walk with intentionality. If, you know, if you've known me any length of time, you know that I try to be intentional in my life. I don't succeed as often as I would like. But I love to have goals. I love to be intentional. I love to walk each and every day towards a goal with intentionality. That's what I believe Paul is talking about here in verse 1. He says, I entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So in light of Christ's sacrifice, we move with intentionality. One of, the, one of my favorite movies, but also one of the most challenging that I have ever watched, and if you've watched this, you understand why, is Saving Private Ryan. <clears throat> In that movie, which was, I think it was brought out about 1998, Tom Hanks plays Captain John Miller. Captain John Miller in the Army, World War II, and they had just landed at Normandy on D-Day, <clears throat> him and his squad of soldiers. And they're given an assignment, they're given a job. They have to go behind enemy lines, and they have to rescue Private Ryan. And they had to rescue him because he was the last living son in this family. And the army policy was that no family was going to lose all of their children. So Private, or pardon me, Captain Miller and his squad have to go behind enemy lines, find Private Ryan, and bring him out safely. Well, during the course of this movie, uh, Captain Miller's almost entire squad gets wiped out. And they finally find Private Ryan. And during the time when they find Private Ryan, there's a massive battle, and Captain John Miller, Tom Hanks, is shot. And he collapses against a wall. He's dying. And Private Ryan sees him and walks over to Captain Miller. And Captain Miller pulls him closer. Come here, come here. And as Private Ryan leans forward, the final words of Captain Miller are, Earn this. Earn this. Fast forward 60 years, this same Private Ryan, now 70 some odd years old, is standing at the cemetery on Normandy, and he's standing in front of the cross with John Miller's name on it. And he's crying. And he's talking to the grave, and he says, Captain, you have no idea, but every day, every day, I've woken up with your words ringing in my ear, earn this. And I've tried to lead a life that would honor you and the men that died, the sacrifice to save me. And he's crying. Now, folks, we can't earn our salvation. I'm not standing here to say that we can. But what Paul is talking about in this verse is walk in a manner worthy of the sacrifice of Christ. Be intentional. 
wake up every morning and say, Lord God Almighty, this is your day. This is something that you have given me, every breath, every thought. It now belongs to you. And I'm going to move forward through this day, and I'm going to dedicate this day to you. And like Private Ryan standing before the grave of John Miller, you know, he says, I've tried to live a life honoring you. And those final words. We have to be intentional in our walk. I love what uh, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3. Go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Paul's talking to the church in Philippi, and he says this. Chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's talking about the fact that he is walking intentionally to grow in maturity to the goal and the, and the prize that Christ offers us. That goal of Christ's likeness. But as we go, he also talks about there are certain gifts that we'll exhibit. You know, they'll be evident in our lives. Let's take a look at verses 2 and 3 in Ephesians chapter 4. Going back to Ephesians. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of of peace. You know that list of gifts, of spiritual gifts that you see in verse 2 of Ephesians 4 looks remarkably similar to Galatians 5:22 where Paul lists the gifts of the spirit. He says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Same list just a little bit smaller. And we may not exhibit all of those gifts all the time. They may pop up periodically in our lives, but the fact of the matter is, as we grow to spiritual maturity, as we grow to Christ's likeness, those gifts better show up once in a while. Right? So the, the gifts have to be evident. But there in verse number three, he begins to make a very subtle but effective transition. He says, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's that word diligent or intentional. Make it your effort. Show the way. Walk in that path. Be diligent. But he, talks, he begins to talk about unity in the Spirit. There are benefits to unity. There are benefits, folks, in this body right here. We come together and we have dreams, we have hopes, we have fears, we have desires. But we all bring them here as flawed individuals brought together under the grace of Christ. That's who we are. But there's a unity here that we can all benefit from, from each other. I meet uh, with my small group on Sunday evenings. And um, I'm being honest with you, I'm not a small group guy. All right? I know it's countercultural. I've always had trouble with small groups, but the small group I'm in now is just phenomenal. I mean, the level of maturity, the people, the, the, the experiences that they bring. Yeah, on Sunday nights, I'm, I'm feet up on the coffee table. Let's watch football, right? 
And my wife is standing there with her Bible going, huh? come on, let's go. Let's go. By the way, 34 years we've been married today. Um, so she is not applauding the fact that I'm here today. But I, put, I had failed to put the two dates together when I said I'd preach. So uh, you can pray for me. That's part of the unity that I have to go home. But I go to my small group and, and we meet and the depth of the love and the depth of the concern, the depth of the experience that this small group brings to me and to others um, is, in, is unbelievable. I mean, if you've known me any length of time, you know that my life is a soap opera. I'm up and down. Things happen. Waves crash. Things break. And I'm, I am, I'm in trouble a lot of time. And yet I sit down with this group of mentors and people that I've grown to love so much, and they impart in me scripture. They impart in me prayer. They tell me their experiences. They help me, and they walk me through this. And oh, by the way, we do it for each other. It's not all about me in this group, but we do it for each other. And then afterwards, Nancy and I will go to Polly's Pie for a piece of pie, and I'll sit there and go, wow, that was great. And she goes, oh. But it's always easier to get through life in unity with others, always, without exception. I know that I like to sit on my patio in the early morning hours and have a cup of tea and open up my Bible and go through Scripture and read it out. And, but I can't slug this life out on my own, folks. You can't either. This life is complex, it's challenging, it's ugly. It has moments of brilliance and beauty, but for the most part, we, our walk, turns into a stumble. And we need others of like-minded unity to come along and lift us up and carry us as we'll carry them at some point in time. That's what this is about. We come to worship, we come to glorify, but we also come together as a body, folks, to love each other through this situation called life. There's unity, and that's why Paul stresses it in verse number 3. Unity in the spirit, in the bond of peace. So let's explore that whole concept of unity a little bit more. Paul begins to open it up in verses 4 through 6 of Ephesians chapter 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is of all who is over all and through all and in all. In those two verses, or three verses, Paul mentions unity and one eight times, at least in my version, New American Standard. Eight times. And you get the sense that there's something important about this whole concept of unity in the body. My son Ryan whom I'm incredibly proud of. Um, he's married to a wonderful woman by the name of Taylor. And they've provided me and Nancy two beautiful grandsons, right? I'd show you pictures, but I'm running out of time. <laughs> but Taylor's family, they're, they're odd, right? Mike and Laura Howard, they had three grown daughters. And when those three grown daughters got married and moved out, Mike and Laura Howard said, let's adopt six kids. You've cashed out. You've got it made. Go play. But no. And they adopted six kids from infancy up to 11 years old. And the kids are multi-ethnic. 
They're Hispanic. They're African American. And they're Asian Indian. And they come from drug-related backgrounds, so their challenges are there in that respect as well. And when I go over there, Nancy and I go over there on Thanksgiving, um, their house is incredibly noisy. There are 40 people there because it's expanded family and everybody's laughing and everybody's enjoying themselves and, in, and the conversations are loud. The decibel level is like a jet engine and there are people, every, there's toothpaste on the banister. There are clothes piled up in the middle of the living room, a mound of clothes that if you wanted to get to the top, you'd need a Sherpa guide. And I walk into this chaos And in my world, if you go into my office, my papers are all in a stack on my desk. And like I mentioned in first service, I've got a paperweight. But there's no wind in my office. Why do I need a paperweight? That's my world. And I go in here and it's absolute chaos with all of these people. But the one underlying thing is that where chaos reigns, love sustains. Where chaos reigns, love sustains. Because in this family, as crazy as they are, Mike and Laura Howard, and I love them dearly, there is this unbelievable love, the unconditional love that they have for their adopted children, for their biological children, and for their extended family. And I walk there away from those situations, and I'm exhausted, but I just sense the love that's there. You know what? We're there. We're that same way. I look out at this crowd, and there are folks here that, that have chaotic lives, that have challenges, that have worries, and have things going on. And there's chaos. And you're worried and you're concerned. But where chaos reigns, love sustains, because you are surrounded by a family that loves you and wants to pray for you and come alongside you and encourage you in the times of your deepest chaos. Because underlying all of our circumstances and all of our problems and all of our fears is love. Love for each other that's based upon Christ and his sacrifice. That's our instruction. That we are to behave in a Christ-like manner to each other. Because we're all working on that intentional walk to become more Christ-like each and every day. We cannot do it alone. We need people to come up alongside us and lift us up in love. It's incredibly, incredibly important. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 22. You don't need to turn there. It says, and Jesus is praying and he says, And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. The Christ, the cross unites us all. I'm going to go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Paul writes this to the church at Corinth. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. 
You've been bought with a price, folks. You've been bought with the blood on the cross. You are no longer your own. You're part of us. You've been brought into this body of believers under the unifying influence of Jesus Christ. We have an obligation to love each other, to support each other, and encourage each other. But you know, there are people that walk through that door every Sunday, and sometimes during the course of the week, that they don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I think it's incumbent upon us to demonstrate what that love looks like. Not just amongst us, but also to those that come through that door and maybe have questions or curiosity about what it means to be a Christian. And that love that we have for each other has to be evident. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and yet you're up to your neck in circumstances and questions and fears and desires and goals, and you want to know more about it, myself, Pastor Mike, any one of us would love to talk to you about it. But it's basically fairly simple. Simple for us, difficult for Christ. But the first thing is that we have to admit that we're sinners. And if we honestly take inventory of our lives, we would understand that that's not too hard to figure out. We're sinners in need of a Savior, and there's nothing that we can do that will be able to bridge that gap between us and God, to close that gap that our sin created. We need a Savior. And that's where it comes in, where we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in his sacrifice. We believe that he died, he rose again. And as a result of his conquering death, we too have freedom from fear of death. We too can experience the fullness that Christ has in store for us. We can begin that intentional walk to become more Christ-like each and every day. Simply accept him. Say, Lord God Almighty, there's nothing that I can do. But you've done it all. And I turn my life over to you. I give you my dreams, my hopes, my problems, my fears, my challenges. I surrender them all to you. And Lord God Almighty, I just want to be in the family that loves me. And Christ in his infinite grace will take you in. For it is by grace you have been saved, not of works, lest no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. There's nothing you can do except turn your heart, your life, your will over to Jesus Christ and repent of those things that have kept you from God and created that gap. It's a gift. If you want to make that profession of, of faith to Jesus Christ, like I said, I'll be available, Mike will be available, Richard Horn, any number of people would love to come alongside you and share that with you today. Will your problems all go away? No. No. But the difference is, you now have a God that's on your side, and you have a family that's on your side to help you through them. Praise God for his sacrifice. So we move on. We're no longer our own. But another reason that it's important that we have this unity within the body is that if we try to do it alone, folks, we are going to be picked off. We cannot survive. We cannot grow without the unity of the body. I, I was watching uh, National Geographic, right, on Thursday night, Wednesday night, whatever. Um, and they had a show about buffalo versus lion, right? I love those things, right? Buffalo versus lion. There's going to be some gore here. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and they had these mammoth 
um, Cape buffaloes in Africa. And they're a ton and a half each. They're huge. And they all travel around in a herd. And then there's the lion that's looking. First Peter 5, 8. Our enemy is a prowling lion seeking whom he may devour. Remember this story in that context. And so this herd of water... Now, please, I'm not comparing us to overweight water buffaloes. But this water, these water buffalo are, are moving along, these Cape buffalo, and one pulls a hamstring. Ow! Right? Starts, starts limping. And I'm going, run for it, run for it. Can't move. The herd moves forward. The one with the hamstring can't move. The lions immediately pick up on it. And as soon as the herd's out of sight and the one that's alone can't, can't call for help, literally, I guess they call for help, um, the lions pounce and, and they, they, she puts up a good fight, excellent fight, gets pulled down. When we stray, when we try to do things on our own, as is my tendency and maybe your tendency, we will get picked off. And I've known many uh, of my friends, in fact, I'm, I'm experiencing one right now, who has felt as though he can do this on his own. And he has opened doors in his life that have resulted in a great deal of pain for a great deal of people. Unity provides that protection, that prayer that we all need from other people that are experiencing the same situation. We're unified in our weakness. I'm going to go to Colossians. You can join me there if you'd like. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. Colossians 1, 9 through 13. Paul realized the importance of prayer for others consistently and intentionally. Colossians 1, 9. Paul writes to the church of Colossae, he says, For this reason, since the day I heard of it, I have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with all knowledge of his will in, in spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. There's that whole theme again. Walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. He's praying for them to be able to sustain that walk of intentionality. To please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of steadfastness and patience, joyously giving to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So Paul is reinforcing the fact to the church of Colossae that he is praying for them, praying that their walk is consistent, praying that they inherit the power of God as they strive to grow to maturity. This is an important concept of unity, is what we do together. But there's another reason, and the final point that I have, or pardon me, the third point that I have, is that we have to walk, not just intentionally and in unity, but we have to walk in awareness of our spiritual gifts. Everyone in this room that knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior has a spiritual gift. It's imparted to you. And it's imparted to you not just for your benefit. 
It's imparted to you so that you can bring benefit to the lives of others. So you are part of a larger puzzle that comes together to create the total picture of maturity in Christ. But you have to impart it. You have to understand it. You have to work for it. Not work for it, but work with it. I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. Paul opens this up a little bit more, this whole concept of gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. Remember how in Ephesians he was going, one Spirit, one Lord, one God. He's doing it again. It's wonderful how there's this theme through Scripture. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we each get a gift for the manifestation of the common good. Well, how do you know what your spiritual gift is? Right? You may have it. I know you have it. But you don't know what it is. Well, there are really kind of three different ways that you can experiment and understand what your spiritual gift is. First of all, you have to ask people around you that know you. And they will tell you, if they're honest, what your gift is, what your gift isn't. You may think that you can sing. You know, here's a challenge in my life. I have mentioned to Garrick, I don't know how many times, that I want to be up here singing. And for some reason, he's never allowed me to do it. The offer is always there. And so is the the decline. I can't figure it out. But if you, if you talk to people and they're honest, they'll tell you what your gift is and how you can employ it to, in the body for the maturity of all involved. Um, when I first came to know the Lord over at First Baptist Los Alamitos, right over on Bloomfield and Green, 30 some odd years ago, the pastor's name was Phil Martin. He's a great man. He led me to the Lord, Nancy and I. And after I had known the Lord for about nine or ten months, he called me aside one day and said, Brett, I want you to teach. <laughs> what? Yeah. I'm up here. I'm at the podium. Right? I like this. And he goes, I want you to teach on Wednesday night to the group about marriage. Now, I was in my early 30s, and people that I was going to be speaking to had been married longer than I was alive. And he put me up there. Now, Phil saw in me, 30 years ago, the ability to teach and speak. Now, you may at this point disagree with him. He's in Nashville at the Metropolitan Baptist Church. Feel free to write him. Um, but he, he saw something there, and I stood before these folks, and my knees were knocking but I went through it, and I loved it, and it may be my gift because Phil saw something. Now, talk to people that you love and respect and see what your gift is. You may be surprised. The second thing is jump in. Just get in the middle of it. This church is blessed 
with ministries that abound. I mean, we've got a new youth pastor, a new children's pastor. We've got ministries local. We've got ministries international. We've got things going on that most churches would be envious of and hearts that drive them. Hearts that drive them. Jump in. See what fits. You know, if you can't sing, maybe you can be a background player, right? Do something in the background. But have fun enjoying the gift that God has given you. But if you sit and overthink this, chances are it's not going to happen. So talk to people. Jump in. Get excited. Um, It'll be a fun ride. Then the third way is that there's this acronym called SHAPE, S-H-A-P-E, put together by Rick Warren down in Saddleback Church. And it's a way of looking at things. And SHAPE begins with the letter S. The letter S stands for spiritual gifts. And there are a variety of spiritual gifts out there. And if you look at any one list, it'll have a, it'll have a series of, of gifts. And another list may have another series of gifts. But get a hold of a list. I have one here. I mean, if you'd like to see it or copy it, I'd be more than happy to make that for you. Then H is for heart. What is your heart? What is it, your passion? What is it that when you come to church or when you're working through your week, there's a passion that God has laid upon your heart? What is it? For my wife, Nancy, it's children. I mean, she loves children. She loves being around kids, you know, and I'll go into a classroom with her, whether it's Sunday school or one of her classes during the week, and there are kids everywhere. And I'm going, sit down, sit down. You know, your parents will be here in two hours, right? Just sit down. And Nancy has this heart for children that is just, and Christy does as well. Christy McKay. Wonderful hearts. It's the passion that they have. Richard Horn, a man that I've long um, respected, and Pastor Dean. Every Sunday morning, Tuesday night, your passion is prayer. That's the gift. That's what they do. That's their heart. Basilia, Garrick, worship, music, lifting us up before the throne of God um, and, and just loving us to the, in the music to God so that I can come and preach. This is heart. This is passion. This is what God instills. Find out what your passion is. The next is abilities. What are your abilities? We've talked a little bit about that. Think about what your abilities are and come alongside people that have those abilities so that you can learn from them and enhance the, the, the point of the spear, of the arrow that you, that God has given you, that you can make a difference for Christ. Help, let them help you sharpen that. P is for personality. Personality plays a lot into the spiritual gifts. Your person, you may be an extrovert. <clears throat> Pastor Mike, I've noticed, loves to mingle with the crowd before first and second service. I mean, just get in there and just start shaking hands and and loving on them and getting to know them and just, you know, it's wonderful. But maybe you're not that way. Maybe you're an introvert, right? Maybe you're somebody that's more comfortable in a different environment. That's okay. You have to understand that portion of your shape. 
your personality. Go with what God has given you in terms of a personality. And then the last one, E, is for experience. Each and every one of us has an experience in our lives or a series of experiences in our lives that we can bring to bear on the problems, the goals, and the desires of other people. You can love people through their circumstances based upon the experiences that you've had. Um, a good, good friend of mine, his name is John Capone, lives down in Mission Viejo. We work together. <clears throat> John, I'm in sales, in case you don't know. And John and I have been communicating back and forth. He's been working on a sale for 10 months that quite honestly, that if it came through, it would allow him to retire. To walk off into the sunset. Oh, I'd love to do that. And he was, he had it. He had it. And then Thursday I heard from my manager, who is also John's manager, that the deal went away. Went away. And I had worked on a couple of deals similar to that in 2015, and they went away. That's why I'm still here. (laughs) Thank you, Richard. But I got on the email immediately. And I said, JC, I said, man, I've been there. And I, I know your pain. And I have nothing but the deepest love and respect for your abilities. Don't let this get you down. Stay with it. Hang tough. And I said, oh, by the way, God has always, always made up the difference in my life. And he emailed me back. He said, thanks, buddy. Same here. You don't know what that means. But the experiences that we have can help other people in their shape, to utilize their gifts and help them move towards that spiritual maturity that we're all striving for, that Christ desires in our lives. Oh my gosh, I want to be conscious of your time. Let me finish up here. Final, final point. Walk towards spiritual maturity. Walk towards spiritual maturity. Let's look at, back at Ephesians chapter 4, Verses 13 through 16. Walking towards spiritual maturity. Until we all attain the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Maturity, fullness of Christ. Key words. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every doctrine by the trickery of men and the craftiness of deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together, there's your spiritual gifts, that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Verse 13, he begins by saying, until. That means that you're a work in progress. You are moving towards that spiritual maturity, that Christ-likeness. But folks, you can get discouraged. Your walk can turn into a stumble. 
You may not progress as quickly as you desire or as quickly as you think you should. But folks, don't get discouraged. Don't get depressed. It is a process. You will get there. If you keep your eyes on Christ and your unity among us, you will get the success you're looking for. The fact of the matter is, is that we will move forward. We'll use our gifts. We'll walk intentionally. We'll be unified. And we'll continue to glorify God in the manner of our lives each and every day when we turn them over to Him. Don't get discouraged until that day He'll provide. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, thank you again for your faithfulness, Lord God, to someone like me that struggles each and every day, it seems like, trying to become more like your son and yet stumbling in the chaos of the world. But where chaos reigns, love sustains. And you will sustain us, Lord. You will watch over us. You'll protect us. You'll guide us. And you'll do it through flawed individuals such as us. Lord, we will come alongside each other. We will love each other. We will encourage each other. We will have that bond and that spirit of unity. One spirit, one God, one love, Lord. All because of Christ's sacrifice. We are never, ever given up on. So Lord, help us to walk intentionally, diligently, to seek to be like Christ more and more each and every day, both as a body as well as individuals. For it's in your Son's mighty and precious name I ask these things. Amen.